0: Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. Today, I attended a virtual death cafe. You've heard me talk before about how I've hosted and attended death cafes in person, usually one larger group being separated into many smaller groups for more interpersonal interaction. This, however, was all on Zoom, and we got to see everyone who was in attendance. I liked it. We each got a turn to say who we are and and kind of give a little history or bio of ourselves. Young women, middle-aged folks, older men, older women, the gamut was there and it was exciting. While I can't share with you every detail because, you know, we want to preserve the identity of folks and we want the Death Cafe to be a safe place, but there are some things that I can share. Some folks shared their websites. Some folks shared websites that they've visited or organizations they volunteer with. I think maybe half the group actually volunteers at a hospice or something of that nature. I felt right at home. Sometimes I wonder if I'm equipped to do this, to talk about dying and death with you or other people. And I think what I like about the Death Cafe As I walk away, never feeling like that, I feel like I fit right in and I was at home. I'm so grateful that I have this place. I actually mentioned the death posse tonight. Why? Because a lot of the folks who were in attendance expressed that their loved ones don't like to talk about it. They don't want to talk about end of life anything. Not theirs, not their wife's, not their husband's, not their friend's. They just don't want to. I really felt grateful to be able to share the idea of a death posse. To have people in my life who know my wishes, know where my documents can be found so that were I to become incapacitated, they could contact my husband or one of my kids and have them locate my information, my documents. It's really tough to put those documents together. And as I said before, if nobody can find them, they're no good. So to that end, today, I'd like to walk you through some of the things that we talked about, some of the websites that were shared, and a little of the experience. So for the person who attended and expressed a desire to learn and maybe understand how it is, that advanced directives are not always followed? Well, the short answer is because it's really in the power of the person executing that directive. I think what we kind of came to through this person's questioning and some of the other responses was that we need to really find people, not necessarily who we love so deeply that we want them making our decisions. But really, to find someone we can trust to carry out our wishes, even when it is so hard. Because let's face it, that person, your executor or your proxy for health care, is the one that is carrying out the wishes that you have set out. It is not their job to do what they want. That can't always be someone who is not wanting to lose somebody that they love very much. Think about that. I certainly am. Then there was the person. And I imagine that even though this person didn't share every detail of their experience, what they were able to share was that they do not want to waste or spend time on anything that is not meaningful or fulfilling. The phrase that was used was actually... Fritter away. This person did not want to engage in anything that would just fritter away the time that was left. Imagine that. If you can sit and think of the hours that you have in every day and how many you spend doing mindless things. Somebody recommended a book called, and I'm going to read it to you so I don't mess it up. I want you to check it out if you're interested. It's called. A Year to Live by Stephen Levine. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-E-V-I-N-E. So it says, A Year to Live. How to live this year as if it were your last. If you had 365 days to live the rest of your life, what would you do? I bet the things that seem so important today would not seem so important tomorrow. As this 90 minute session progressed, everyone was able to share something in the meeting. And if people were a little more quiet than others, the host gave them an opportunity toward the end of the meeting to say whatever it was on their mind. I appreciated that. I think that makes a good host or facilitator to make sure that nobody goes unnoticed without the opportunity to share. It's really interesting because all of us come from different walks of life, different experiences. Many of the folks today had no medical background and yet spoke so eloquently about end of life, perhaps because through their volunteer experiences, they had been able to be with people at the end of their life that they had never even met before. I'm intrigued by that and kind of pursuing that myself. There's this idea of not letting somebody die alone. That's important to me. The idea of somebody dying alone is not one that I enjoy. And if I can help somebody just by holding their hand or being nearby at the end of their life, I want to be able to do that. Now I'd like to share some of the web references, and websites that were discussed today. I'd like to do this so that if something sticks out to you, you can check it out for yourself. Do a little research, maybe even see if other things pop up that interest you as well. I believe that the more we are informed, the better we feel about sharing our wishes because we've actually investigated them. And then it goes to, as I said before, finding that trusted person who can help you carry it out. So one of the attendees today is an oral historian. Fascinating. I had no idea this existed. This person makes a living out of interviewing people by family member's request or someone else's request or a person themselves. And an interview is conducted so that this person can tell their story and so that this person can discuss end of life. The oral historian shared a story where an interview was being conducted and the person who was dying was there and it was shortly before the person had passed. So not communicative, kind of in that in and out sleeping stage. The two family members at the bedside expressed to the historian that they wanted to share some of the nervousness they were feeling about being at the bedside when this person passed away. So the historian, not being of medical background at all or anything like this, went with the gut and the gut said, let them talk. And what came about was a beautiful sharing of love, affirmation of the relationship, and a beautiful story that now has been recorded so that the family can listen to it as much or as little as they choose. What a beautiful gift that historian gave to the family. There's a website that got discussed called Last Acts of Love. I'm going to link all of these in the show notes. This is an end of life advocacy group that helps folks create personalized instructions to navigate their end of life. So the idea would be that a person goes onto this website writes out their wishes so that their family members or designated trustees or trusted friends would be able to see what the person wanted for the end of their life. There is a website that was discussed called Compassion and Choices. This has to do with medical aid in dying, assisted suicide, planning end of life experiences at every stage And I have to say that this is not available in every state because not every state allows assisted suicide or medical aid in dying. But if that's something that your state has made legal or you're interested you can certainly look up compassion and choices. There's a website called nooneshoulddiealone.com. This group offers small acts of compassion to address practical spiritual needs and maybe even a dream not realized. And what I thought of was this bucket list thing, you know, that, that people talk about, and I've certainly mentioned it. You want to ride a Harley? This foundation finds a way to let you ride that Harley before you die. And it makes me think as I'm sitting here of a post that I saw several years ago. I think it was on somebody I follow on Facebook. Somebody who was dying wanted to... See the woods, their favorite place in the forest, one last time before they died. This person was completely incapacitated, could not walk, even sit up, or be in a wheelchair. So they wheeled the hospital bed into an ambulance, transported this person to the woods, rolled the bed out into the forest, and just allowed that person to bask. In the cool, well, I can't even say what it is that they wanted so much. But I imagine the smell of the pines or the dampness of the forest floor, beautiful clear sky, maybe birds flying around. I don't know. That wasn't part of the story. What this story really showed me was that there are people with tremendous compassion who can take people's last wishes and make them happen. No one should die alone.com is one of those organizations. It's pretty impressed by that. I may in the future decide to host a virtual death cafe, but for now, I think I'm going to continue attending this one. There are some regulars, but there were some first timers like myself today. I'm excited to think that I just made a whole bunch of new connections people who may one day be part of my death posse. But for now, I'll just be grateful that I met them today and had 90 minutes of freedom and safety to talk about dying and death. That's all I have for today. I'm working on some great stuff for next time, so I hope you'll come back. Bye. Thanks for listening today. You can go to my website for more articles, little news pieces, or a transcript of this podcast. The website is whilewe'restillhere.com. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can send me an email too. Thanks again, and until next time, take care.